0: You say, well, yes, it did. I'm I'm a victor in Christ. Yes, you are. But the Old Testament is a type and a figure of what we experience in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, when they were taking the promised land, every city they took, and they took a bunch of them, with each one they had to defeat giants. There was an obstacle with every level they took up. Now, I believe that we're going to another level here in the church, and many of you are going to new levels in your Christian walk So I don't want you to be shocked and amazed that you're encountering giants. Anybody in here dealing with a giant? Let me see your hand. That's most of you. I I must have heard God on this one. So we've talked about the giant of anger, the giant of offense, the giant of anxiety. And now today we're going to talk about overcoming, disarming the giant of condemnation. So let's read a verse you know. And since you know it so well, let's read it together out loud. Preach it to me. Preach it, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Isn't that good? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word today, and that it's living, it's active, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that it will pierce, To the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and it will discern the thoughts and intentions and motivations of our heart, and it will change us, rearrange us, renew us, renovate us, put us on the right track, and give us victory over this giant of condemnation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, this is going to be good. You're going to need this. You better perk up and listen. Amen. <clears throat> I was talking to some pastors this morning. <clears throat> um, we were talking about how today is a triple whammy. It is daylight savings time. So what happens with a church like ours and multiple services, you see people walking in around 10 o'clock with a funny look on their face. And um, how many of you I kind of went through a little bit of a shock when you saw what time it was today? and you had it best. You're in the late service. Uh, But we were saying that there was daylight savings time. Spring break began, so a lot of families are out with their kids. And then the pastor friend of mine, Texarkana, uh, said it was raining. So I said, but here's the deal. God always gives a pearl on a day like this. There is a pearl in every service, and we're going to walk away with a pearl of blessing, and I believe that. Amen? Amen. Now, let's talk about condemnation a little bit. This is a very real battle. A lot of Christians who have been forgiven by God walk around feeling condemned. There's a sense of floating condemnation. They can't even put their finger on why they feel this way, but they do. It's a floating anxiety, a floating, floating guilt. Say, what are you feeling guilty about? Well, I don't know. I just feel guilty. It's condemnation. And that's not the will of God. There is therefore now no condemnation is the truth of God's word to those who are in Jesus Christ. But a lot of believers live under this. Their thoughts wander to failures from the past. You're driving down the highway and all of a sudden you're meditating on what you've done wrong in the past. And you're getting lower and lower with each passing minute. And you don't realize that the thoughts you're thinking are not really your thoughts. But they are being planted there by the enemy of your soul. And I'm going to deal with that later in the message. But you're thinking this way. Or you have a sense, sort of a lingering sense, of not having lived up. Not living up to what God wants for you. Not living up to what God has for you. Uh, not living up to his standard. You would be amazed at how many people are not in churches all over America today because they wake up and they don't feel worthy to go to church. They're saved. If they were to die, they'd go straight to heaven. But they feel like they're just not living up to the standard. They're not living up to what God expects. And so they have condemnation. And condemnation keeps them home. Condemnation will drive you out of the Word of God. Condemnation will ruin your prayer life. Condemnation will take away your boldness in Christ. You will not do much for the glory of God if you are condemned. If you're feeling condemned. It says the righteous... Are bold as a lion. That means when your conscience is clear, you are bold to witness for Jesus Christ. If you read 1 Timothy 1 18 and 19, Paul is telling Timothy about how a clear conscience is a key to successful warfare. You will not win in warfare without a clear conscience. So the devil has a reason for making people feel condemned. Now, I want you to know something today. God never condemns His children. So He's condemned me, Pastor Jeff. No, no. If it's condemnation, God did not condemn you. God convicts, but God does not condemn His children. Thank God we're under conviction, not condemnation. If you're under condemnation, real condemnation, you're going to hell. We're not under condemnation. We're in Christ Jesus. So we are dealt with by conviction, but not condemnation. Now, there is a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. Here's what condemnation does. Condemnation points out your failures, how badly you've messed up. The devil can just make you feel one foot high. Condemnation will give you what I call tuck head. You know what tuck head is? It's when you're talking to somebody. If they've got tuck head, that means they won't look you in the eye. They're staring at the ground. They're looking around, but they won't look you in the eye because they feel guilty. They feel condemned. And praise God, when you get saved and the blood washes you of your sin, it delivers you from tuckhead. You look people in the eye, you hold your head high. You know that you're a child of God and there's no more condemnation on you. You're free in Him. Conviction is the opposite of condemnation. Here's what conviction is. Conviction is when we are sorry for our sins. We sorrow that we have hurt and offended a holy God. That's conviction. Conviction is, oh, I really sinned and and, and it, it broke my fellowship with God. It hurt God. That's conviction. Many of you are going to experience conviction in this sanctuary today. And it's going to be because the Holy Spirit... Is convicting you to bring you closer to God. David confessed to God, watch this. He said, Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He was concerned about, now he had hurt a lot of people. David's sin hurt a lot of people, but his first concern was vertical. I have hurt God. And Lord, I know that ultimately the worst of the sin that I've committed is that I have hurt you. So Lord, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And real conviction, when somebody starts to get convicted so that they are saved, they repent and turn to Christ, that real conviction is something that hits you where you say, I've got to get right with him. I need to settle the score with him. I need to get right with him the living god conviction is known in the bible as godly sorrow it's called godly sorrow the bible says that godly sorrow leads us to repentance we're sorrowing that we've hurt god we're sorrowing that we know our sin has separated us from god second corinthians 7:10 and paul t- tells the corinthian church for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's two kinds of sorrow in the world. If you are convicted for your sin, you're convicted by God, and you're sorrowful that you have hurt God, that leads to repentance, which leads to life. But the sorrow of the world brings no hope. There's no answer. You don't know what to do with your sin. There's no answer. There's no recourse. You're stuck in your guilt. There's no relief. You can't wash it away, think it away, deny it away, reason it away smoke it away, drink it away, because once you come down, it's still there. There's only one solution, real solution for guilt, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only solution. And so godly sorrow is conviction. And godly sorrow says, man, I'm going to get it right with God. I've got to get it right with God. Lord, forgive me because of your blood, because I know you died on that cross for me as you hung on that tree. My sins and the sins of the entire world were taken upon you. And, Lord, I ask you to forgive me because I know that your blood was clean. It was perfect. It was righteous. It was holy. And when you come to him with your guilt, he washes it all away. Condemnation is the work of the devil, but conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And it is to your advantage that I go away, that I go back to heaven. For if I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you. And here's how you know he's arrived. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. See, when you and I come under conviction, it's threefold. We are convicted over our sin. We are convicted that we do not walk in the righteousness of God. And we are convicted and convinced that judgment is coming one day. So we go, oh no, what am I going to do? And God says, I'm glad you asked that. Because I'll tell you what to do. See, condemnation drives you away from God. But conviction leads you toward God. You say, when you're condemned, you're like Adam in the Garden of Eden. When God came looking for him, he said, Adam, where art thou? And he was off hiding from God. What what did his, his condemnation do? He was condemned and he tried to hide from God. He ran from God. It drove him from the presence of God. But conviction always brings you toward God because conviction brings an answer. Conviction brings a solution, and the solution is the blood. It doesn't leave you hopeless because condemnation brings you hopeless, leaves you hopeless and in despair. But conviction leaves you hopeful, knowing that God will forgive and restore fellowship with him. Thank God for conviction. Amen. Amen. Now, i want to look a little bit deeper at condemnation. I want us to understand it because we're, we're talking about not being haunted by this thing called condemnation. Condemnation means to be judged and pronounced guilty. If you look at the word in the original language, that's what it meant. It meant it's like a judge bringing down the hammer on the gavel and he looks at you and says, guilty and punishment is on the way. That's condemnation. Condemnation means that you have strong feelings of guilt mixed with the fear of approaching punishment. And my only question today is, if you're a child of God, why should you have that? You shouldn't have condemnation because the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ who walk not after the flesh. That is, they weren't just born once in the flesh, but they walk according to the spirit. They have been born of the spirit. They have been born again. And if you've been born twice, which every person has to be to be saved, then there's no condemnation to them that are in Jesus. Now, condemnation can come from several sources. I'm going to talk about three of them real quickly. Condemnation comes from, first, sinful actions that result in legitimate guilt. You see, some condemnation is rightly deserved because if we've sinned against God, then we should be Guilty for what we have done. Listen to what Paul said. He wrote in Romans 2.15, they, now talking about the lost world, that's the they, they, the pagan lost world, demonstrate that God's law is written in their heart for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them, telling them they've done wrong, Or excuse them, telling them they've done right. So we have inside of us, as human beings created by God, we have a conscience. Now, it's not always perfect. A lot of times it's dull. Sometimes it's seared and it's dead because we've sinned so much we've killed it. But taken as a whole, God gave us a conscience. He has written his word in our hearts so that we know right from wrong. We know when we've done good or bad. And if we do good, that conscience is like an umpire inside of us, and it says, safe. But if you do bad, that conscience says, out. I was talking to an agnostic woman one time. She was kind of an agnostic atheist and giving me all these reasons why she didn't believe in God. I said, let me ask you a question. You're a very moral woman. And I knew that she had a real strong ethic, a, a moral ethic. I said, where did you get those morals? Where did you get that sense of right and wrong that you've got? Where did you even get consciousness? When you do something wrong, how do you know you did something wrong? Where did that come from? She looked at me and said, you got me there. You got me there. Because you see, it came from God. They demonstrate that, the laws demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts. They know right from wrong. So if we break God's law then we're going to feel guilty, and rightly so. So that's one source of condemnation. There's a second one. This is huge. And what I'm about to share with you, sadly, a lot of Christians live their whole life, and they never fully comprehend what I'm about to share with you, and that's why they live under condemnation. Condemnation comes from an inadequate understanding of what Jesus' blood did for us. See, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, And that truth is going to set you free. Well, we think the truth is only talking about the person of Christ, that we will know him as our Savior and that will set us free. But it's more than that. It's higher than that, deeper than that, broader than that. It means you will know the truth, everything Jesus taught and everything that is in the word of God. And that is what will set you free. This book is a supernatural book. There's no other book like it on planet Earth. This is the only book on Earth that didn't come from Earth. And the, the, the truth in it will set you free. And one of the things we really need a revelation on is what the blood did for us. And if we can just have that go from our head to our heart, we will leave this place roaring like a mighty lion. Because it says the righteous are bold as a lion. And that means when your conscience gets totally clear and you really do know that you've been liberated and redeemed and the prison door has been opened and you have walked out, then you want to tell everything that moves that Jesus is the one that sets you free. Amen? Now, to do that, we've got to understand two kinds of truth. The Bible presents two kinds of truth. Here they are. The first kind is positional truth. The second kind is experiential truth. Can you say it with me, positional? Experiential. Two kinds of truth. Let me tell you what they mean. Positional. Positional truth has to do with how God sees you, what he has spoken over you, and where he has placed you now that you are in Jesus Christ. He has totally, completely forgiven you. Now, let me give you an example of positional truth. The Bible says, we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, no, because I'm seated right here in Turning Point Church. On a Sunday morning, after daylight savings time, I made it anyway. I'm here. You are here. But let me tell you how God sees you. He sees you signed, sealed, and delivered. He sees you already in heaven, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is your position in God. So, so you say, well, well, when I die, then my eternal life will begin. Your eternal life has already begun. The moment you got saved, you were translated and transferred into eternal life. You are an eternally live person right now. And so, positionally, you are in heaven seated with Christ, but experientially, you are here right now. Here's another positional truth, and this is what we've got to get a hold of. Second Corinthians 5.21, For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's righteousness into us. Now, let me give you a positional truth. You're not going to believe me, but I'm going to tell you the truth anyway. You, if you're in Christ, are as righteous as Jesus was. You say, no, I'm not. I sin, I mess up, I make mistakes. In the eyes of God, positionally, you are as righteous as Christ. Let me put it another way. When you got saved, God put on sunglasses. S O N. Glasses, And he never takes them off once you're saved. And those sunglasses are tinted red. He sees you through the blood. He deals with you through the blood. He declares you righteous by the blood. You are sanctified by the blood. You are justified by the blood. You are glorified by the blood. God looks at you and says, righteous, sanctified, justified, Glorified. Positional. No matter whether or not you feel like it, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 from another translation. Listen to this. For our sake, he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin. In all points, he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. So that in and through him, we might become endued with viewed as being in the righteousness of God. You know why you and I are going to be raptured? Those of us that are in Christ, you know why you're going to be raptured? Because when God comes to retrieve and receive the bride of Christ, when Jesus comes, He sees you as pure as the driven snow. Positionally, you are righteous. Now, if that can get from here to here, you're in great shape because then you can really walk free of condemnation. That's positional truth. And the Bible is full of positional truths. What God has spoken over us, what He's done with us, the way He sees us, now that we're in the blood. But if you have a bad day, good day, long day, short day, sick day, well day, it doesn't really matter. Positionally, you are still in Christ and bear and carry the righteousness of Christ. What a deal. Jesus, hanging on the cross, took my sins and your sins upon himself. And he became sin for us. Then he took his righteousness and placed it on you and me. And God took our sin and placed it on him. I got the good end of that deal. And so did you. Amen? Now, we come to experiential truth. Positional truth is what God has... Position you in the way God views you now that you're in Christ. What he has declared over you. But experiential truth is the day-to-day reality of our walk with God on earth. Our ups and downs. Successes and failures. What we experience every single day as a child of God. <clears throat> it's our experience in time and space on planet earth. And as long as we're here, we're going to be experiencing experiential truth. Now, let me give you a news flash. In our daily experience with God, we are not perfect. Anybody in here perfect? <clears throat> now, in God's eyes, you are. But experientially, we're all growing up. Amen? We sin. We fall short. We disappoint God. We may backslide or get caught up in some kind of a sinful habit and so on. But here's what's going on. We are growing from spiritual infanthood into maturity, and that process is messy. How many of you have had a baby? If you've had a baby, was that a clean experience? You got that little guy, and the first thing they do is mess. And it's messy to raise a baby, it's a mess, but it's such a joy. And listen, spiritual children are no different. We're messy, we have dirty diapers. We cry and whine and and throw fits and all these things as we grow up in Christ. And so the, the absolute truth, the positional truth, always remains the same while experientially we're growing up in Jesus every single day. And it's messy and it's bumpy and sometimes you fall and skin your knees, but that's the way it is growing in Christ. Now John talks about our day in and day out experiential walk this way. Listen to what he says. If we claim, this is 1 John 1 verse 8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I told both other services, I wish that I could read that on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, and yes, Fox. I wish I could read that one thing. Because our nation seems to think that we are righteous and we are good and we are holy and everything we're doing is right. But the Bible says you're not getting anywhere until you realize that we have sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. We don't have a crime problem, drug problem, immorality problem, perversion problem. We have a sin problem. And only one thing deals with sin, and that is the blood-soaked cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that deals with sin. Now, John says, if we practice repentance by confessing our sins, we are cleansed, our conscience is kept clear, and we have fellowship with God and with one another. Now, watch carefully. John calls this walking in the light. He says, you want to walk in the light? Then admit that you have sinned and confess your sins. And, folks, I advise keep short accounts with God. Because this is talking about keeping the fellowship with Him alive. See, when you, as a believer, sin, you don't lose your sonship or your daughtership. Well, I sinned, and so God must have said, Well, you're not my kid anymore. And then you're over here, not His kid anymore. And then you repent, and He says, Okay, you're my kid again. And you go back and forth, how many millions of times will you be disowned and brought back into God's family if that was the truth? No, that's crazy. You don't lose sonship when you sin or daughtership when you sin. You lose fellowship when you sin. You lose fellowship. And so the reason that we've got to keep short accounts with God is so that we can keep the fellowship, that vertical fellowship, that life-flowing spirit, present fellowship with God. John said, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you keep short accounts with God and you give him your sin and you don't let anything come between you and him, if or when you mess up, you say, God, forgive me. That is the number one way to disarm the giant of condemnation. Keep short accounts with God. And here's the promise. If we are living in the light, As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, ongoingly cleanses us from all sin. So we have have one kind of truth, that absolute truth where I am forgiven, he sees me through those sunglasses and he never takes them off. And then there is experiential truth where every day I keep it clean, every day I stay close, every day I walk with him. Now, if that's what you're doing, if you're walking in the light, and you're a born-again child of God, you should not be experiencing condemnation. And if you are, there's only one other reason it can be there. And you know his name. His name is Satan, split-hoof, diabolos, the devil, the deceiver. And one of his stocks in trade is condemnation. Condemnation. His condemnation is designed to tear you down, wear you down, and wear you out through spiritual warfare. Paul said, don't ever forget, you're not battling flesh and blood, but you're battling principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, rulers of the darkness of this world. If you're a child of God, you've got a bullseye on your chest, and we have ever got to be alert and aware that the enemy is going to attack us, especially when we really dedicate ourselves to the Lord and begin to be used by Him. I never met the devil until I fully yielded to Jesus Christ and fell in love with Him. Then I came under attack. He is an accuser. He is a condemner. In the book of Revelation, John pulls back the veil and he lets us see what happens in heaven. He says in Revelation 12, verse 9, And the great dragon, the devil, was thrown down. The serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Satan has deceived the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren... Did you hear his name? The accuser of our brethren... Has been thrown down, he who accuses them before God day and night. So Satan's got a full time job. His full time job is he goes to the throne of God and he begins to attack you and me. Did you see what they did? Did you see what they said? Do you know what their motives really are? You see how carnal they are? Blah, 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 blah. He does this 24 7. You know what God says? God says, God turns his attention to the blood. You're right about all those things, but that's experiential. I'm not dealing with experience. I'm dealing with who they are and my son. Look at the blood. Now safe can get out of here. Because they're covered in the blood. They're righteous in the blood. <clears throat> very, very serious. We've got to learn how to recognize the voice of the enemy. Because when you think that thought about not being worthy, I shouldn't be in church, I should not uh, be ministering, I should not be witnessing, because look at who I am and look at what I've done. If you are saved and you have kept short accounts with God and you have repented of your sin, that should not be there. You need to recognize the enemy. He shoots fiery darts, fiery arrows. He draws the bow. He puts an arrow in the bow. The tip of the arrow is on fire. Fire. It's a fiery arrow. It can be on fire with lust, fear, hate, greed, doubt. But it can also be on fire with condemnation. And he draws it and he shoots it into the theater of your mind. And the way it arrives is a well-placed thought. Warfare is in between your two ears. It's not out here, it's in here. And all of a sudden you're thinking... You know, I really need to get out of church. I'm messing up too much. I shouldn't be there. I'm not one to be there. And you thought that thought was your thought. But that thought was not your thought. That thought was a thought planted by the enemy of your soul. And he wants you to get out of church. Listen, nobody in here is worthy to be in church. We are made worthy by the blood of Christ. We all mess up. We're all growing. We're all maturing. So it's very, very important we notice, we recognize the devil and his attack. So if you're feeling condemned, if you've got that floating guilt, if you've got that floating condemnation, that did not come from the heavenly Father. It didn't come from Jesus. It came from the devil. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, what can I do? How can I overcome that? How can I defeat him? The answer is in the very next verse, and I'm going to close with this. In the very next verse, after he identifies the accuser of the brethren, he writes, and they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb. Now, that word overcame. I'm going to put something Texan in it. They whooped him. I'm serious. They whooped him by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. Catch this. Their testimony. I'm going to say blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God. There is therefore now... No condemnation on me. <clears throat> None. And then I understand that the blood of Jesus is covering me. God sees me through the lens of those sun glasses, and I'm keeping short accounts with God. So there's no condemnation. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the power of the blood, the efficacy of the blood. I could go all day on the blood. But I want you to know that blood covers you. And by that blood, the devil lost the three most important keys he had. The key to death, the key to hell, and the key to the grave. It's gone. And now Jesus holds them. Amen. So can you say with me, I am positionally righteous. And experientially... I have given my sin to God, and there is no condemnation. Can we stand together today? <laughs> oh, I love disarming the giants that are sent against us. And how many of you can say, this was for me, and I tell you, I'm going to get this CD. I'm going to get it on the way home. I'm going to get it before I go home. Listen to it on the way home. Because I'm preaching the Word of God. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm telling you, this is the Word of God. And the word is powerful. So some of you that are walking around with this guilt and this condemnation, you need to give it to him right now. We're going to do that. Can you lift your hands to the Lord today? And say with me, Lord, thank you. There is no more condemnation. I am positionally righteous. Experientially, I'm walking with you. So, this sense of guilt and condemnation is not from you. So, I ask you, Lord, to take it off of me right now. I do plead the blood in Jesus' mighty name.